this morning, I'm going to speak about how the Lord lifts us up in times when we're really down and discouraged and despondent. I want to think about that and think about how God uses different people in our lives. We have a very short reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 to 7. And here we're going to see the Apostle Paul. He was harassed in so many ways. He had so many external pressures upon him, many fears within his own heart. But God used a person. He used Titus to lift him up. He was downcast and God sent him Titus. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 to 7. For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I I rejoiced still more. Well, as I said earlier, we were missionaries and we were in Brazil for 12 years. And we came back in 2000 and I was called to a little church in a place called Tabo Baptist Church, a place called Lantricent. And we've been there ever since. But during our time, since we've been home for 11 or so years, we've had the privilege of visiting Portugal and Mozambique, because they're both obviously Portuguese-speaking Portugal, but Mozambique as well, doing missionary work. And our mission, to a certain extent, have kept us on. And every year we have to fill in a form. It's called an annual review. And they ask us questions. They ask us things like, how are you doing spiritually? So if you were asked that this morning, How is your relationship with God? How are you doing spiritually? How would you respond? That's one of the questions we have to answer. And another question is this. Have you got somebody in your life that you can turn to in order to pray, in order to open up your heart, in order to share with? Is there somebody in your life that you can go to when times are really difficult? Or not just when times are difficult, but somebody who you can share your spiritual life with. Now, some who are married and have got Christian partners say, well, I've got my wife, my husband. Some say, well, we've got a really good person in the church that we can go to, maybe an elder, a pastor, or a really good friend in the church. Others say, I've got a Christian who's very mature in another church, and I can share with them. Some people struggle. They don't open up and they don't share. We had a lovely young man coming to work with us recently at Tabor. And he said to me, I've been married for a year and I'm hoping to go to do missionary work in Ecuador. But you know what? Myself and my wife, we meet up once a month with an elderly couple. They were missionaries, but they meet up with us once a month to help us in our marriage. Not that we've got problems, but just to talk about things and to help us. Isn't that lovely? Is there anybody that you have? Well, in the Bible, we find that God's servants, those who are often leaders of God's people, felt that they needed others to work alongside them. They would talk things through, pray together. So you have people like Moses. Moses had an assistant, Joshua, 
Joshua is a man who didn't depart from the tabernacle, the presence of God. And he must have been a great help to Moses. Elijah, he had somebody. Elisha. And when Elijah was taken up into heaven, do you remember he was taken up in a chariot of fire? What did Elisha cry out? My father, my father. In other words, the relationship between Elijah and Elisha was like father and son. Elisha would have opened up his heart and confided in Elijah. Think of David in the Old Testament. David had Jonathan, didn't he? His bosom friend. And Jonathan would often strengthen David's hand when he was down. God even used some rough and ready men. David had 400 men who protected him and seemed to encourage him at the right time. They're prepared to risk their necks for him, even get a jar of water for him if it was necessary. And then think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul often worked with others. He worked in teams. When he was doing missionary work, he wasn't a lone missionary. He had people like Timothy with him. We might have Silas with him. He had a team at one stage with Barnabas. People like Philemon had close contact with believers and they worked together. And they strengthened him and he strengthened them. And here in our passage, we read about a man called Titus. And I want to think how Titus was used at a crucial time in Paul's life when he was really down in the dumps, when he was really discouraged, totally downcast. Now, God is able to encourage us and lift us up without the need of human beings. God can do that supernaturally himself. David was once in a situation when he was alone and he encouraged himself in the Lord. Once the Apostle Paul tells of a situation where everybody had abandoned him. But the Lord never abandoned him. God was with him. And God is able to do that. I remember hearing of somebody who was going through black moods. A heavy sense of oppression for a long time. Prayed about it. Talked about it with others. But the mood didn't lift. And then one day the person woke up. And God had just answered that person's prayer. And the mood was just taken from that person. But normally God uses people. He is able to just lift our moods himself. But often he uses people. That's one of his main means. So let's think about Titus. Who was Titus? Well, in Titus chapter 1 verse 4, remember Paul wrote a letter to Titus. Paul calls Titus his true son in the faith. My true son in the faith. In other words, the Apostle Paul had led Titus to the Lord. How did Titus become a Christian? He became a Christian through hearing Paul. Paul told him about Jesus, who had come from heaven, come into this world, the Son of God, taking upon himself human flesh, living a sinless life, giving up that life upon the cross for Titus, taking his punishment upon that cross, rising from the dead, and Titus had believed that word. And Paul says, you're my son in the faith now. You're my spiritual child. 
And there's a real genuine work in you. I'm calling you my true son in the faith. It's so definite and so clear. We can see the fruit in your life. You've turned from your sin. You love Jesus. You love God. You love the word of God. You're following him. You're my true son in the faith. Titus was also a Gentile. That means he wasn't a Jew. And in Galatians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says that they never circumcised Titus. Sometimes Paul encouraged people to be circumcised. Occasionally he said to Timothy, Timothy, it's good for you to be circumcised because you're going to reach out to Jewish people and in order to, to reach out to them, it's important that you, you're circumcised, you'll have more entry amongst them. But with Titus he said, no way. You're not to be circumcised whatsoever because these Galatian people are misunderstanding the gospel. They think that in order to become a Christian, you still need to obey some of the Jewish Old Testament laws like circumcision. And we need to show them that it's faith only in Jesus that saves a person from their sin. It's not to do with law at all. And so when Paul went before the Jewish council in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 15, he would have held up Titus as a prime example he said, here's a Gentile, and he's thoroughly and totally saved by the grace of God. What should we expect of Gentile peoples? Should we expect them to be circumcised? Of course not. What else can we say about Titus? Well, if you come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 23, Paul says this, if anyone inquires about Titus... He is my partner and fellow worker concerning you. In other words, Titus worked with the Apostle Paul. Paul had gone to Corinth. He'd been there 18 months. And a church by God had been established. Paul had been working night and day. And preaching the gospel in Corinth under much persecution. And after 18 months, a church had been formed and he left. But Titus was often sent to these people. He was sent with letters. He was sent to go and encourage them. And Paul says, he's my partner and he's my fellow worker concerning you. He was one who worked and helped the Apostle Paul. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 3, the church in Corinth was told that it was to make collections. Collections for the poor church in Jerusalem. The Jews in Jerusalem were going through a hard time. There'd been a famine. And so there's tremendous poverty. And the Apostle Paul gives an instruction to the people in Corinth. He says, on the first day of the week, on the Sunday, the day that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you must set aside amounts of money. And you must store up those, that money in order that when I come, there won't be anything lacking. These funds are going to be sent to Jerusalem. And, and Paul would often do that. He would organize giving. He'd go amongst the churches and collections would be made in order to help the poorer believers. And Titus was to be instrumental in passing on gifts and also in stirring up the Corinthians to fulfill their promise of giving. So if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, we read this. 
2 Corinthians 8 verse 6. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. We urge Titus to go to you, and as you promised to, to make these gifts, then he would go and stir you up, that you would fulfill your word. Now Titus was keen to go. He didn't just do things because the Apostle Paul told him to do them. He loved, he really loved the Corinthians. Look at chapter two, two Corinthians, chapter eight. Sorry, two Corinthians, chapter eight, chapter eight, and verses sixteen and seventeen. But thanks be to God who puts the same earnest care for you into the heart of Titus, for he not only accepted the exhortation, but being more diligent, he went to you of his own accord. So, Titus isn't one of those Christians who does things grudgingly. The church says, well, we're going to do this. We're going to have a work party this Saturday. We're going to clean the church building. And uh, some people turn up because, oh, I feel I've got to turn up. If I don't turn up, it will look bad. He wasn't like that. He was eager to go and to help the um, Corinthian church in whatever way he could. Paul even boasted about him. To Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14. For if in anything I have boasted to him about you, I am not ashamed. But as we spoke all things to you in truth, even so our boasting to Titus was found true. Paul boasted about the Corinthians when they had uh, had a change of heart, but he was also, he spoke very well of Titus. Now, Titus was a faithful servant of God. And I think it's good for us to stop there and ask the question. Are we faithful to the Lord? Are we doing his will? Are we living by faith and trusting God? Are we part of a, a local fellowship and we love that church? We love the people in the church. We do all we can for God's people. Titus was that sort of person. Now, he who is faithful in little is given greater tasks. And later we've, we discover that he goes to an island called Crete. Some of you may have been on holiday to Crete. And when he's on Crete, in Crete, Paul again has planted churches there. He's Titus 1 verse 5. He's told that he is to supply that which is lacking in the churches. What was lacking in the churches in Crete? Well, there was no real leadership, no spiritual leadership. There were no elders in the churches. And so Titus is called to appoint elders in every city, in every town in that place where there, where there are churches. A big responsibility was given to him. Now in Titus 3 verse 12, we learn that Titus was called away from Crete eventually. Paul says to him, meet me. In Nicopolis. He sent another person to replace Titus. So Titus wasn't a person who, who held on to things. He said, this is my work. I'm staying here. I'm governing these churches. I'm always acting like a bishop and overseeing them all and appointing elders in all the churches. And I'm irreplaceable. He wasn't like that. When Paul said, meet me in Nicopolis, I've got something else for you to do. He would meet him. And we learn eventually 
from 2 Timothy that he ended up in a place called Dalmatia. Paul is about to die. He's finished his course. He's run his race. A crown of righteousness is laid up for him. And he says, Titus has departed for Dalmatia. Where was Dalmatia? Present day Croatia, Bosnia. So this man was extremely flexible, willing to go wherever the Lord called him to go. A servant spirit eager to do the work of God. Now this is the man who encouraged the Apostle Paul. So let's think about this now. Let's think about the way in which he encouraged him. I wonder when Paul was really low, if it would have been helpful for him to bring some of the troubled reports that he'd had about Christians. He knew what went on in the churches. And although there was some very encouraging news from Corinth, he knew there were still things that need to be corrected. Would that have lifted Paul's heart? Paul was really discouraged. When he came to him, would it have helped him just to say, Paul, you need to spend more time with those Old Testament scrolls and understanding them. You need to get them out and think, meditate upon them more and, and pray a little more. Would that have helped Paul? Let's look at, at the way in which he encouraged the Apostle Paul. Now, why was Paul discouraged? Well, he was discouraged because he felt the church in Corinth was an absolute failure. Do you remember the first letter they wrote to the Corinthians? In that church, there was drunkenness at times at the Lord's table. That shows us that there was a lot of people from a very worldly background, the people coming into the church, people making professions, but some still were, were getting drunk. We read as well that the church was tolerating a terribly immoral situation. Nobody was dealing with this immoral situation. There was a lot of infighting in the church. People had gone into camps. Isn't it, just, isn't it very sad when, when there's division? In the church in Corinth, there are at least four different groups. You even found believers going to court against one another. Isn't that a travesty? When one Christian takes another Christian to court, and Paul says, this is awful. This ought to be dealt with amongst the church. Sort this out. There were some people even doubting the doctrine of the resurrection. Paul was really discouraged about this church. He wrote two letters to them. We're looking at two Corinthians. But there was another letter as well called the severe letter that we don't have. And he was concerned about how they had responded to it. He'd been there and he'd been in sorrow and anguish. Uh, and, uh, and, and, but they were now doubting him. And as we read through 2 Corinthians, we discover that they're listening to false teachers. Some of the false teachers are saying about the Apostle Paul, don't trust him. He's in it for the money. Don't follow him, don't listen to him. Some were saying that he's impure. Maybe they were saying he's got a woman on the side, lies about him. Some were saying there's double speech with the Apostle Paul. He says one thing and does another. So if you look at chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians, Paul has to say, I did plan to come to you, but it wasn't possible. But don't think that with me it was a yes and a no. It wasn't double speech. All the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And 
I say, yes, according to the will of God. I'm, I'm not double-minded. And so he had a church that were disaffected from him. In 2 Corinthians, he has to say to them several times, open your hearts to us. They close their hearts to him. They close their hearts. They, they were disaffected from him. And he was really discouraged because they were listening to false teachers. And he wanted... We learn that in 2 Corinthians and uh, in the early chapters, chapter 2, I think, in verse 13, he mentions that uh, he's in Troas. And in Troas, God has given him an open door. Now, if you have an open door, that means in order to have an open door, to know it's an open door, that you've gone through that open door. And so he's begun to minister in Troas, but he can't stay there. Why can't he stay there? Because his heart is so churned up about the church in Corinth. He can't evangelize in trials. He, he can't stay with those people. He's got to move on. He's got to find Titus. He's worried for Titus. What's happened to Titus? Why isn't Titus there? Titus has said he would meet him in trials and give him a report about the church in Corinth. And Titus isn't there. And so although there's an open door to preach the gospel, he leaves Troas. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been so discouraged and so downcast that you just can't stay still? You've got to move on. You've got to find out. Well, that was the Apostle Paul. So he goes to Macedonia. And when he reaches Macedonia, he finds Titus. Titus refreshes his heart. God uses Titus to lift him up, to comfort him. How did Titus do that? Titus did that simply by bringing good news to him. Water to the weary soul. Good good news from a a far country is like, Water to the weary. That's what Proverbs says. And here's Titus. He's come, as it were, from a far country with good news. And he says to the Apostle Paul, things have changed now. There's repentance in that church. They're mourning over their sins. We read that here, don't we? In verse 8. Sorry, verse 7. We have t- comforted by the coming of Titus, and not only by his comfort, this is chapter 7, verse 7 of 2 Corinthians, not only by his coming, but also by the consolation with which he was comforted in you, when he told us of your earnest desire, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoice even more. Titus is saying, they now have a longing for you. They now want to hear you. They remember that you were their pastor. They remember your messages. They remember that you're a man of God. They want to be with you. They have a longing for you and a longing for the things of God. We read here that they have a zeal for you. They're going to stick up for you now. They're going to stand with you now. And this must have refreshed his heart. They're mourning over their sin. And as he goes on in this chapter, he says there's a godly sorrow amongst them. They're really 
sorrowful for the ways in which they've been acting towards you. And really sorrowful for the sins that they've been tolerating. They're turning from it. This godly sorrow is producing repentance in them. And now there's a clearing of themselves. Now things have changed. And so the Apostle Paul is comforted deeply because he sees that God has done a wonderful work in the Corinthian church. You know, that's what we need today, don't we? We need a mighty work done in our lives and in the life of the church. Is there hidden sin? Not confessed. Is there division amongst believers? Is there infighting? Is there gossip? Are things happening within the church that ought not to be happening? When it's like that, we need to repent. And that brings joy. And that brings blessing. And that brings the presence of God again. And when Paul heard that that had happened in Corinth, it refreshed his heart. Now, Titus was a, a loving man. A, a, he was a large-hearted person. I'm sure there's other ways in which he would have encouraged Paul. I remember hearing a man called Jeff Thomas from Aberystwyth. He was a pastor there for 50 years. And he said that when he went back to America, to Westminster Seminary, after 15 years of being a student at Westminster Seminary, invited to give an address there, he sat down with one of his teachers afterwards, and his teacher was really down in the dumps really discouraged at the state of things. And what did Jeff do? He said, well, the things that you taught me 15 years ago, I have taught my church. And the things that you said so bless my soul, I couldn't help but passing them on to the believers in Aberystwyth. And perhaps Titus would have done something like that with the Apostle Paul. The things that you have taught me the things that you've helped me with, he would have repeated them back to Paul to help to encourage the Apostle Paul. He was a man who was a bearer of good news. What about you and I? What's our speech like? Is it with grace seasoned with salt? Are we those who build up? Are we those who strengthen? Are we those who lift up? Are we those who mo moan? Are we those who complain? Are we those who just speak negatively? Of course, there's times to rebuke. Of course, there's, there's times to speak the truth. But Well, always a time to speak the truth, but in love. But are we gracious people? The Lord lifted up the heart of the Apostle Paul, and he did it through a person. So I say to you, if you're discouraged, go to others. Be prepared to share. Choose the right people. Choose godly people, people who keep confidence, people who sympathize, who listen to you. And you'll often find that God will use a person to bless you and to encourage you. So open up with others when you're down. But as a Christian... Look out for those who are struggling. Seek to help them and seek to comfort them because they need your care.